Yes, we are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It's called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. John Wall doesn't need no introduction. It's an insider's look at the NBA and culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick of the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall, will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. The following is a high five moment from highfivecasino.com. Welcome to Burger Yippee. Would you like a hot apple pie today? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I won. Woohoo! So that's a yes on the apple pie? I just went big time playing high five casino on my phone. Real cash prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. Yeah. So yes or no on the apple pie? Woo! <laughs> I won again. I'll take that as a yes. Drive around. Have you had your high five moment today? Only at highfivecasino.com. High five casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High five casino. All right, this is the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast, coming live and direct from the gloom tomb of Los Angeles, California. My name is Michael Rapport, a.k.a. the Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. the Jake LaMotta of podcasting. I'm here with G. Moody. Some people will still call him Air Moody. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would call him Air Moody. Uh, but we're going to get into his dunk. Uh, we're going to get into the sweep, the Cleveland Cavaliers. We're going to get into the Met Gala. The fucking Met Gala is going down once again in New York City. And neither me, the Gringo Mandingo, or G. Moody, whose last name rhymes with duty, have been invited. Again. David Fisdale is officially the head coach of the New York Knicks. And so much more, plus special guest speedster from the Detroit Lions, my man, Amir Abdullah, A.B. Diggity. We're talking football. We're talking off-season grind. And so much more with Amir Abdullah of the Detroit Lions, Miles Jordan. Let's do this like Brutus, because he always knew this. Let me get something funky. See, I'm Rapport Stereo Podcast. I told you, my name is Michael Rapport, a.k.a. the Gringo Mandingo, a.k.a. 
Bird, aka White Mike, aka White Folks. G Moody, last name rhymes with duty. Listen, Moody, how you feeling? I feel good, of course. Well, my knee's a little better. Oh, why's your knee hurt? Uh, did, hey, did you bang it? I was jumping a lot, and uh, it's sore. The left kneecap is sore, but that's to be expected. And uh, I'm good. I'm good today, bro. Okay, that's good. Um, as everybody heard on the emergency I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, uh, the comings and goings of Air Moody's dunk attempt. Now, Gerald, I, I never like to do things behind your back, okay? That's why I did do it publicly. Um, but I put up partial video of you attempting your dunk, uh, and I did a poll on Instagram. Mm. Do you want to know the result? Excuse me. Do you want to know the results of that poll? Yeah. 90% of the people said, that's not a dunk. You fuck you. <laughs> 10% of the people, probably all you and then a couple of other, I don't know, for, you know, they're like the crew that you brought to the gym nah. and your fucking, your, your trainer and, and whoever the flunkies you had. You got like a little crew. Those are probably the people, the 10%. But 90% of the people, the, the question was, is this a dunk or not? And it says, if you say, yes, it's a dunk, you fuck you, or no, that's not a dunk, you dumb fuck you. And 90% of the people said, no, that's not a dunk. You dumb fuck. You. Nah, nah. So, do you want to keep arguing with this, or do you want to concede, or you just want to leave it alone and deal with your fucking hamstring injury? Yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to nurse my knee back together. What I did is what I did. It's on tape. I ain't got to say shit else about it. Mm. No, you don't, mi amigo. You don't have to say. It. You know what? I think it would be best if you don't say shit about it. <laughs> Okay, That's I think right. it would actually be best if you do not say shit about it. Now, listen to the fans at home listening, whether you're at work, whether you're uh, on the way to work, whether you're laying in bed, listening to the soothing sounds of me, the gringo man, dingo, uh, whether you're, I don't know, driving. I don't know where you are uh, uh, listening to the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. I, I want to tell you that the quintessential New York podcast, this podcast the i am rapaport stereo podcast we are being monitored right now as we speak this recording of the i am rapaport stereo podcast by the quintessential new york newspaper oh they're writing a fucking feature on the i am rapaport stereo podcast i'm in here with the writer right now usually Damn. it's just me and g moody okay Damn. but we are being monitored okay so we're, we're going to put on a special show. Yeah, hell okay? yeah. The New York Times ain't dead. It ain't fake news, you fuck you. Yeah. They came to the best, and we're going to give them the best podcast possible. Let's jump into this. We know what just happened. That's right. Drake, you fuck you. <laughs> you couldn't go to game four. Cleveland's about a two-hour flight on your private jet, the PJ. You couldn't go to game four. And support your team one last time in person. You couldn't do that. You sit there on the sideline talking shit game after game, season after season, series after series, whispering in people's ear, talking <laughs> shit to players while they're taking the ball. But you refuse to show up for game four oh. and sit on the sideline in Cleveland 
It supports your team through thick and thin. Oh, he wasn't there. Oh, man. No, he, you know who was there? Khloe Kardashian was there. But this fucking guy didn't show up. Oh, that's that's a fan. That's a fair weather fan. There's no money. There's no convenience. The good people of Cleveland would have loved to have seen Drake show up, but he didn't do it. Yeah, like, yo, you support the team. When they down, yo, wouldn't your support be more needed at that time? Wouldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Oh, that's what it is then. This fucking guy, yeah. That's why they keep getting swept. They sweat. keep getting sweat. You, sweat. Might as well, you might as well fucking go to Cleveland. <laughs> hey, listen. I was there last year at the finals with my fucking broom, and it caused a big brouhaha. Uh-huh. Remember that, Moody? Uh, hell yeah. Remember that? I was there at game three with my broom. I bought it in a local Cleveland hardware store. Support. I didn't go to a Home Depot. I went to a local Cleveland hardware store, brought my broom in there, and, and it caused such a commotion, such a backlash. The NBA complained about it. The arena complained about it. Now you cocksuckers wish you had a fucking broom, don't you, you fuck? <laughs> you wish I was there to sweep the fucking trash out. You wish I was there to talk shit to Drake. Four games to nothing. The Toronto Raptors should be ashamed of themselves. Dwayne Casey, yo, if they give this fucking guy coach of the year in June at those ridiculous NBA awards that happen after the season's finished, can you? what will that feel like? Coach of the year? The NBA awards. Imagine they give Dwayne, because he's probably going to win that award, coach of the year. Imagine what that's going to feel like. Like, Dwayne Casey's going to go on vacation. He's going to start looking at college recruits. He, you think he's going to watch the rest of the playoffs? <laughs> Why would you want to watch it? Yo, Dwayne Casey, he knows he's about to be fired. You can't keep getting swept, motherfucker. Yo, it's one thing to lose, but getting swept right. every four zip? You don't have one guy on your team who you could say, listen, if we're going down, we're going to fucking knock the shit out of this guy just one time just to see what'll happen. Not the little grabbing, not the little like playing grab ass with LeBron James. He's 270 pounds of God knows what. <laughs> and uh, and uh, DeRozan gets kicked out of the fucking game. The $100 million man gets kicked out. This is the star. Gets kicked out for flagrant two. And not a good flagrant two. Not the kind of flagrant two you could hold, you could hang your hat on. Right. Dwayne Casey, you're the coach of the fucking year. Nah. And you don't have one player that'll just say, fuck it, and knock the shit out of LeBron James. Not one player will do that for you on their own accord. Uh, oh yeah. He's not the coach of the year. This, Who's this the is, coach of the year? This Duke is illustrated. Snyder. He ain't the fucking coach of the year. He's, He's going to win. But, but how the coach of the year get swept? Hey, what, listen, what are we talking about? <laughs> we ain't talking about practice because right. this fucking guy, he, he's going to win the coach of the year. And I'm going to tell you something right now. Just like last year, Russell Westbrook won the MVP at these silly-ass NBA awards. What's that? Can you, uh, you, that, that? Those are the awards where they give the MVP, the sixth man of the year, the coach of the year, the most improved player, the most fashionable. Oh, Remember no. last year they gave the award they gave most fashionable? I think it was to D. Wade. Are you fucking kidding me? This is an actual award that they're giving in June. The most, when they give out the MVP, the best defensive player, right. and all these coveted awards, they also give some fucking guy most 
fashionable. That's an actual fucking award that the NBA gives out. Jesus Christ. That's, a, that's an actual award. Westbrook, did he win? No, he won MVP. Dwayne Wade won most fashionable last year. He's the, uh, what is it called? Oh, the first the first guy who wins most, like the the, the, the first of something? Oh, oh, he's the first uh, uh, award E of fashionable. <laughs> I wanted a word, motherfucker. Not, not like the first award E. Like he's the, the honorary, whatever it is, he won that award. Oh. So Dwayne Casey, good riddance. Good luck on your fucking vacation. I'm sure you'll come back. You'll be, you'll have been on like Bali or wherever the fuck. Bye bye, motherfucker. You got swept. He's, I think they lost four to two, four zero, and four zero. Yeah, that's that's his record against LeBron James and them. Uh, uh, yeah, that tells you what you need to know. Don't expect to come back. How are you gonna expect? They should. I, if I'm ownership, you gotta go, man. That that record you presented to me is not acceptable. Unacceptable. Goodbye. Unacceptable. Yeah. Goodbye. No. <laughs> That's it. Well, that team's going to break up. That team's finished unless LeBron James goes to L.A. and then that team's great. Hey, man. You know what? The nickname, I got a nickname for LeBron that he should have always had. The well, Nucleus. The fucking Nucleus. This dude does it fucking all, man. The Nucleus. The center of it all. That should be his fucking nickname, not the King. Well, he, he gave himself the nickname The King. That's why it don't really stick. The nucleus is that shit, man. That that's not a good nickname. That's a good name for my man. It describes him. It describes him, but that's not it. Let's say, yo, nucleus, what's up? Like, you, no one wants to get nucleus tattooed on their back. Yo, you, shit. Look at these motherfuckers wearing today. I don't know, but your guy, uh, LeBron. I said it the other day. I'm not going to repeat myself. Okay, I am not going to repeat myself. I'm not going to say what I said. Okay, again, um, but. If they get past the Boston Celtics, and it is an if, if they get past the Boston Celtics, assuming uh, uh, Boston uh, continues to to beat uh, Philadelphia, they are now winning at the recording of this I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. They are now winning that series three games to one. Uh, the process, uh, uh, they're, they're lucky because the O in the word process was starting to look like a zero because uh, they were going to get swept, but they, they scrounged together one win. Uh LeBron James uh, uh, will not be winning a title. So all the shit you're talking about, nucleus and science experiments. Oh, my God. He's going to go to the finals again. Hedging the bets. Hedging the bets. He's going to lose. The Warriors don't play that shit. Yo. And, you know, I was thinking about this because you always talk shit about my man Kevin Durant. Watching him play, the style of what the Warriors play, that's basketball. They move the ball. They're cutting. They, they, they set each other up for easy passes. They make the extra pass to the extra pass to the extra pass. Kevin Durant is disgusting. He's a fucking killer. Right. He's a killer, a cold-blooded killer. They are going to beat the shit out of Cleveland if they play them in the finals. They might sweep them you said, all four you games You said that time. before. You said that before. They I beat them in five last year. I you have no credibility, bet. man. You said that the Celtics wouldn't make the playoffs. That was a you wrong said that, prediction. That's all, we I'm, have that I'm, on record. I'm entitled to be wrong sometimes, yo. Listen. The Boston Celtics are getting swept now by, by who? Cleveland. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, we're going to move on from that. 
because you, your predictions have been off, and, and I think you're probably on some uh, antibiotics and, and possibly some, uh, some pain medication <laughs> uh, due to the dunk attempt. Um, I want to give a shout-out to the Knicks. As of the recording of this I Am Rappaport Stereo podcast, David Fisdale is officially the coach of the New York Knicks. Scott Perry is officially the GM of the New York Knicks, and Steve Mills is the president of operations of the New York Knicks. Three black men all run everything that has to do with basketball at the Knicks. Okay. Big fucking, never happened in the NBA before. I just think it's a good precedent. And listen, I'm all in. As I said it before, I am all in on the New York Knicks. I am all in on David Fisdale and everything that's going down for them. And it's a big deal. And and trust me, they're going to be talking about the fact that there's three dudes, uh, 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 three, three black dudes are in control of everything that has to do with the New York Knicks. That don't mean they're going to win. That don't mean they're going to lose. But I think it's a cool thing, especially to happen in New York City. Uh, yeah, you're right. I, I just never I never looked at it like that. But yeah, good. It just listen, we're on the cutting edge here. <laughs> Once again, you fucks at the Met Gala. You had your little party, but you couldn't invite you couldn't invite me, huh? You couldn't invite me and G Moody. Nah. They don't fuck with me. We, every year, year after year after year, we have to get slapped in the face. And Why? see this one and that one show up to the Met Gala. Did, did you see some of the outfits the shit was they were wearing this year? Yo, I, well, I didn't see it, but I can imagine the uh, the the clownishness of it. <laughs> well, the theme this year was Christianity. Oh, so you got people dressed up like Jesus Christ. Uh, you got people dressed up like kings, queens, popes, uh, Kim Kardashian. She's 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 dressed up in all gold with a diamond encrusted this that with that big ginormous fake ass. Hmm. She's so proud of that fake. It's like a it's like an end table. Yeah. Damn. But that's cool. I but, mean, what, but, yeah. but 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 at the Met Gala, not one mention of global warming. Not one mention of mental health. Oh. Not good. one mention of Donald Trump. Not one mention of Time's Up. Why? 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 At the Grammys, at the Oscars, at the SAG Awards, every fucking award show that they went through this year, poor Jimmy Kimmel couldn't even make a joke. Right. It was so tight. The Met Gala, they all get dressed up, all of them. No protests, nobody fucking kneeled, no nothing. They're just so happy, they're giddy to get dressed up. Mm-hmm. In these fucking costumes for the Met Gala. Nobody's mentioning Trump. Nobody's mentioned Stormy Daniels. Nobody. There's global warming. It's still going on. There's <laughs> crises all over the place. There's all sorts of stuff in Puerto Rico. If it was a fucking music award show or it was it was some sort of film and television award show, you know they'd all have pins on. Remember they had the fucking pins on at the Emmys? Yeah. Oh, Nothing they- at the Met Gala. They don't want to fuck up the costumes. How do you feel about that? You, you feel you feel that's a good thing? Like that? I feel no. Like- I feel like it's bullshit. I feel like what the, does the protest stop for the Met Gala? Right. You no one's there to talk shit at the Met Gala. Yeah. Why not? All the protesting, and all the shit talking, all Word. the hashtag this, hashtag that. Yeah. Nothing at the Met Gala. But for your own award show, you're up in there getting crunk. <laughs> yeah. That's Heckling a- people, hissing at people. Trump this, Trump yeah. that. Jimmy Kimball can't make a joke. All this shit. 
but not one, no one had a pin on, no one had anything on. Nobody said Bunch none of, of that bullshit, shit. man. Yeah, that's and, true. And this year, the theme was Christianity. I'm assuming, I'm assuming next year's going to be Judaism. And I want to see Puffy in a diamond-encrusted yarmulke. I want to see mink orthodox hats. And all that shit. Because next year, we better celebrate Judaism. You can't just do Christianity and Catholicism and not celebrate the Jews. Not in New York. Not in fucking Jaime Town, as <laughs> the Reverend Jesse Jackson once called it. Right. Yeah, so what's up? Next year. I mean, imagine what some of these designers can do. You hook up, like, you could get dope-ass yarmulkes and all. Like, yo. You got to be fair. You can't just do Catholicism and not acknowledge the Jews. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. Spread it around. I, hey, that's what's up. You can't just do one. What else is going on, Mr. Moody? Hey, I'm just happy about the playoffs. Uh, how's the weather? Oh, the weather The weather is 80, 75. It's good, man. It's all is it, good. Is it muggy? Some days are, but for the most part, it's like spring. It's like that type of cool shit. Hey, you watch these cooking shows, right? I'm a chef, man. I told you that, B. No, you're not. You can't even make a bowl of cereal, motherfucker. Yeah, well, well what have you cooked lately? Ribeye. Perfect mm -hmm. ribeye steak, B. Just the ribeye steak, huh? No. Garlic mashed potatoes. Roasted mm -hmm. garlic in the oven. Mm -hmm. You don't understand this shit, man. Mm. A ribeye steak and garlic mashed potatoes, huh? That's, that's your meal, huh? Yes, and a little asparagus. Roasted garlic asparagus. Yeah, okay. Um, Over-seasoned. If it's a great piece of meat, you don't have to do anything. What did you do to cook it? Oh, oh, yeah. I'm gladly, I would tell you how I get down with this shit. Oh, what did you do? Kosher salt, lightly. Mm -hmm. Let the mm -hmm. salt dissolve into the flesh. Turn it over. Lightly kosher salt it. Uh, grind pepper. Boom, let it stay there. Outside, okay. room temperature. Hot okay. skillet. Three minutes mm -hmm. each side. Boom. Okay. Ten minutes in the oven. Boom, done. Medium okay. steak. Presto. Okay. Um, you know, I watched these, these shows the other day. My wife is watching these shows, these Iron Chef shows. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, when we go to our, our guy in New York, Chef Shane, he always talks about the, the, the misery of being an actual chef. Like, when you watch those shows, it seems so stressful. Like, the last fucking thing that I'd want to do is want to want to be a chef and, and want to cook with the pressure and the, you got to rush and you got to time. Every, and, then, and then most of the chefs, they don't even eat the food that they, they make. You, do you watch those shows? Yeah, I always watch Iron Chef. I've been watching that for 15 years, man, all that good stuff. You just That's new to this, That's how you learn man. to cook, huh? You just new to it. Yeah, I watch fucking, what's that lady? I'm uh, not cooking shit. I know my skill set. What, 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 it's what, like what, handwriting. You either that? got it or you don't. And I hate to tell you, Moody, listen, you're fine. Like, you're fine like as like, like a dad, like a dad who cooks for his daughter. Uh, like, listen, oh, yeah, man. that's, a good, listen, of, that's a good piece of meat. Like, listen, your daughter will say What that. the fuck can you make? Since you, you I, can't I just make said shit, nothing. B. So how I you just said nothing, but I'm just saying it's not like you're wooing and woeing anybody. Like, your daughter will be like, thanks, dad. That's a good, thanks for the steak. No, no, no. Sorry. You watching these shows? It's not like it's shows. a well-rounded three-course, four-course meal. You watching these shows and you're enamored with this shit. But we've been on this shit for twenty years because we're interested Who's we? in cooking. Who's me, we? me. You I've been on we. this shit. I've been on this shit twenty years, man. Watching that shit. Now you want some bullshit? Why don't you try to make something? 
Never uh, that. Listen, I I know my skill set. I know my skill set. Yeah, How's rap, your hips? My hips is good, man. I'm on oh, the okay. rim. Remember, I'm on the rim. I'm I'm up there. No, you're not up there. I'm up there. I'm grabbing this shit. It's it's you, not, you didn't even hang on the fucking rim. You 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 hit the rim and pulled it down. You, you like you didn't even get your, your fingers above it. The listen. video doesn't lie. The ball don't lie to quote the great Rashid Wallace and the video on Instagram and the I am Rappaport app. It doesn't lie. Nah. That's a fact. Nah. You can't, like, you couldn't even hang on the fucking rim. Why, why are some people saying the opposite of what you're saying? Why am I getting, uh, why, why am I, I getting some, I, uh, I got inundated. Favorable uh, I, One shit. thing you didn't see. I have, I'm going to go over them right now. I'm going to count them. 36 emails, 36 emails, people emailed us, and you could always email us at Podcast at gmail.com. 36 emails emails every single one of them said that fucking guy didn't dunk <laughs> variations of that all right that wasn't a dunk that fucking guy didn't dunk and different variations of that hey i got some good ones too man i could show you uh differing they're a, they're, they're, they feel bad for you differing i could show you differing opinions on it why and this whole bullshit about i'm 49 no one cares i didn't say that see i didn't ever i never said that they're saying that they giving me props for that. I welcome that. Don't hate on that. You got to grab the rim. You ain't got to try to dunk. I say the oh, net. Don't worry. I'll be. I'll give you the problem. net. Don't worry. That's not a problem. Um, you see uh, uh, this uh, former ESPN reporter. She tried to talk talk some shit uh, uh, with me oh. uh, one time. Britt Ooh. McHenry. Oh, okay. You know which one I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Blondie. Britt McHenry's like the fake Tommy Loren. Oh, Except okay. for she does sports. She's the one that like cursed out the uh, the tow truck operator and all this stuff. She's claiming she was let go because she was white. Yeah. That's what she that, said. <laughs> how about this, Britt McHenry? How about they just let you go because you're just not that fucking right. good? How about you're just not that talented? When you grab the microphone, it's just not that compelling. Right. You don't have that it factor. How about that? How about it has nothing to do with Jamel Hill? How about it has nothing to do with Carrie Champion? How about it has nothing to do with your big bleach block teeth? It has nothing to do with anybody. How about the fact that you just don't got it? Damn. She associated. What was the cause? She said they let her go because... And I quote, she was white. And then she also said she made too much, which probably had something to do with it. But if you were really good, they would pay you what you were worth. Right. If you were really good, you'd still have it. The fact that you're white and you got big bleached teeth and bleached blonde hair, that's an asset. That's a fucking asset. Right. They want to have a talented, charismatic, smart, opinionated, yeah. bleached blonde haired girl on the sideline. But you just don't have the right. gift for gab. No one gives a fuck. Yeah, you can't claim that shit. <laughs> That's a hard call. <laughs> George Zimmerman is charged with stalking. George Zimmerman is the guy who infamously killed Trayvon Martin. Aggravated stalking, threatening a private investigator. Can you believe that George Zimmerman is, is living like a, a, like a life? Like no jail time, no nothing? Nothing. No nothing. Nothing. And he continues to get into shit yeah. and nothing has ever happened to this guy. Yeah, that's the thing that's that's uh uh troublesome that this dude is out here 
wilding the fuck out. Like he, there's no remorse. It's like he's just doing whatever. You would think he would stay, want to stay out of the spotlight with his behavior, but that's not the case. So whatever happens to him, yo, happens. <laughs> but nothing has happened to him right. as of uh, as, as of, of yet. Today. Like as nothing of yet. As of yet, he keeps he fuck he gonna fuck with the wrong one, and it's gonna be a rap. Our guy, the great Stan Van Gundy, was let go by the Detroit Pistons. Um, sad day for the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. Sad, sad day for the uh, uh, the Van Gundy family. A lot of people have been calling for Bizarro, <laughs> Stan Van Gundy, to speak out about this firing. Uh, I don't know where he is. I've tried to reach him. Have you heard from him? I did get a voicemail. He, he, he It was sort of uh, hard to understand. He was talking something about everything uh, uh, went went downhill when Boban got traded, and he was the linchpin, um, and he went on to talk about uh, uh, watching uh, Boban shower and the pleasure that he got from seeing him nude. Um, but I've yet to been able to get uh, uh, Pizarro Stan Van Gundy on the phone. Uh, the fact that Stan Van Gundy was let go, hey, I don't know what he's going to do, but could you imagine Jeff and Stan Van Gundy and maybe they do it with Mark uh, Jackson calling a fucking game? That's must-watch TV. Yeah, no doubt. The Van Gundy brothers in the broadcast booth, or maybe we get our guy Ryan Rucco, Jeff, and Stan Van Gundy. Fuck yeah. That would be it. I I would watch any game that they call together. That would be good basketball because those guys would be arguing, uh, you know, just bantering with each other. That's the kind of shit that I want to see. No doubt. That shit would be compelling. Good stuff. That would be great. Hell yeah. Um, as I told you, we got my man from Detroit Lions, Amir Abdullah. Speedster. I got to watch him work out. Uh, uh, when I Also, uh, when I went to that workout, when I got to watch Odell Beckham and those guys work out. Amir Abdullah coming up later on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Today's episode... Um, but it's it's that time. You can kind of feel it in the air, um, and and you hear the the music sort of uh, coming in, in the, on the background. Uh, Miles Jordan, um, is that the sick fuck of the week soundtrack? You fuck the door. You what? You fuck the door. Why would you fuck the dog? Why would you fuck your girlfriend's dog? What sick fuck? The sick fuck of the week. It's earned. Earned. Not given. You did. What? No. No! No! Yes, that is the Sick Fuck of the Week soundtrack. This is an award that is earned, not given. Uh, Yes, this is an award that is earned, not given. As I told you uh, uh, a couple of podcasts ago, we are going to do a cumulative from the ground, boots on the ground, all Sick Fuck of the Week podcasts coming up because we have been inundated with just so many Sick Fucks. From all over the place, I literally have had to create a file on my on my computer and on my phone to keep track of all the sick fucks. I, I appreciate uh, all the fans out there that that keep sending them to us, but at a certain point, uh, enough is enough. <laughs> it's a lot. First sick fuck, a Wisconsin man who was featured in the Super Size Me documentary and who never did anything wrong, but he actually does look like. Uh, the essence of a sick fuck. Dan Gorski, 64 years old. This guy truly is a sick fuck. 
<laughs> this guy had a celebration in lieu of eating his 30,000th Big Mac. This cocksucker has eaten 30,000 Big Macs in his lifetime. Oh. They threw him a party. They gave him his 30,000th. Am I saying it right? 30,000th? With the T-H. I don't know if I'm saying it right. Thousandth. What? As a, Thousand- th- as a T-H. Well, you guys know what it is. Dan Korsky. And you know, if you look at him on, on paper, he's got like a, like a mullet haircut and he's got sideburns and mutton chops. And, but he's not heavy. 30, he eats, he eats a Big Mac a day. Oh, and, and he he looks like he he says he's in great shape, and he, you know he he looks like he's fine. Uh, he just needs to get a haircut. Damn, I'm surprised he don't have gout. Fucking thirty thousand. He's a fucking slob, man. Thirty. Why would you want that every day? Ew. Every single day. Ew. Um. Uh, a woman in New York has been arrested. I mean, she's a sick fuck, but she's smart. Uh, Latanya Shalisa. I'm probably not saying her last name right, uh, but if you're a sick fuck, I don't need to go out of my way to uh, uh, learn to pronounce your name. She's actually pretty smart. This sick fuck <laughs> was reading obituaries to find out when people died and figure out when their funerals were, and then she was robbing their homes. Oh, man. That's not a sick fuck. That's something else, man. Shit. <laughs> That's, that's um, This is a sick fuck who I, I forgot to mention. She's from Iowa. A woman who's 31 years old in Iowa. She left her four kids alone so she could go on vacation to Germany. You sick fuck. First of all, why would you want to go on vacation to Germany? Second of all, you left four kids ages 6 to 12 years old. Damn. Home. Damn. That's jail time. The kids called the father and said, yo, we're over here by ourselves. What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Pop said, I'm on, I'm on my way to Germany, too. <laughs> you were so excited to go to Germany? Just right there. She needs to be put into question. Right, right. Uh, in Jersey, straight out of Jersey, New Jerusalem, uh, New Jersey police officer who is now a sick fuck of the week, uh, was arrested and accused of repeatedly, not one time, repeatedly pulling over women on the freeway, not to give them tickets, not because they had a broken taillight, Mm. to try to get their phone number and ask them out on dates. Yo. (laughs) I like it. I like it. I like his style. Go ahead. (laughs) New Jersey State Police Trooper Eric Richardson... He's a true. Is accused of repeatedly pulling over women to try to get them on dates? Yeah. This is what you're doing? This is a police officer? Hey, would you rather be proposed for a date or get a ticket? That's true. You, if, especially if you did something wrong. All right. Hey, just put politely decline and he'll let you go. That's how he gets down. Finally, we have a sick fuck nurse, uh, Cora Weberg. Uh, and this is in uh, Washington State. She's an emergency room nurse with hepatitis C who infected patients and stole their nar- narcotics. She was arrested near the Canadian border. Cora Weiberg, or Weiberg, again, you're a sick fuck. I'm not going to learn or fact check on how to pronounce your name correctly, is accused of infecting two patients after stealing their injectable narcotics. 
and using them for herself. This yeah. what kind of? Uh. This is a sick. What is this, people? Uh, it gets. It gets. Uh, it just gets worse and worse. Sometimes you baffle me with shit, man. I don't have words for that. It's not me. It's the sick fuck whisperer. Uh, yeah, out there. This guy keeps he's, he's just sending me more and more sick fucks. Listen, it's the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. Let's get to it. Coming up next on the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast, my, Mira, my man Amir Abdullah from the Detroit Lions talking about what Maddie Stafford is going to do with that $100 million off-season workouts, the biggest shit talkers in the league, and so much more. Detroit Lions running back speedster Amir Abdullah coming up next on the Iron Rapport Stereo Podcast. All Buttersoft I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast t-shirts are available at districtlines.com forward slash I Am Rappaport. That is districtlines.com forward slash I Am Rappaport. All right. It's the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. Amir Abdullah, A.B. Diggity, <laughs> Speedster from Nebraska in Los Angeles working out in the offseason. I saw you at the. Uh, I was I was talking about it on the podcast. I uh, I had uh, connected with Fournette. Yeah. And he was like, "Oh, I'm going to work out over here." And I went there, and I was like, "I was at the NBA, uh, the the NFL All, all Pro Day." <laughs> yeah, man. We we are we're getting it. Uh, working with Jamal Liggins, uh, outstanding trainer. Uh, I really just wanted to surround myself with guys who had a very high level. Obviously, like you said, Fournette, Odell, uh, Randall. It's a lot of guys out here who are just competing and. You're only going to be as good as the people around you, so I like to just surround myself with the best. When did those workouts start? I mean, I, I literally thought out like he was going to be like, I didn't know what. And like I walk in there, I mean, it was like 10, 10 guys there, and it seemed like a maintenance workout. Like that seemed like a low-key day. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I was tripping out off of it. And, and to watch you guys, to watch high-level athletes, I mean, you're just doing your thing, you know, and I'm over there like tripping. Like I'm like, oh, okay. shit, you know. To watch you guys, uh, you know, do that, what is your off-season? Like, here we are in April. What is your sort of maintenance? Because, like, obviously you're not going full tilt now yeah. because you have, you know, you can't burn yourself out. So what is your sort of, you know, what is your workout now? And then how does it ramp up? Yeah. Well, at the beginning, I started, uh, I would say, late February, early March. Uh, Did you I, take time off? Like, like I, how much time you take off? I probably took, well, shoot, we didn't make the playoffs, so I had a lot more time than other teams. So, so I took maybe about a month and a half off, uh, like January and half of February. Then I started doing a light conditioning, you know, just like running on the treadmill and biking and stuff like that. But even then, you know, getting into off-season workouts, you know, you put a lot of wear and tear on your body through the season. I don't do a lot of uh, high impact, you know, workouts until now. Like what's a little bit like what you saw the other day, right? Um, most of it's just maintenance, like you said, strengthening your ankles, strengthening your hips, your joints, getting it ready to do those high impact, you know, workouts later down the road. So this is just kind of like keeping. This is like the prep before the definitely. prep. Definitely, you don't want to peak too early. I mean, we don't play until you know September. So right. if you're at your peak physicality and right you're not gonna be ready come september 9th so so all those dudes that come through i'm sure some dudes come you know one day they're here so all the guys that have worked out at this off season you know i mean i, I was like an elite workout like i thought like i was like a special thing for, for me to see as a football fan like i was like if a real football fan walked in and they'd be tripping yeah who are the guys that have impressed you? Like, you know, like, I, obviously Odell was out there. He's like a freaking gazelle. Yeah, he's dude can doing run all like day. It. Yeah, he can run all day. Dude, is, he's, he's incredible. He's a guy who, 
when I watch him, doesn't make a lot of sense because he's not the most physically imposing looking guy. No, he's not that tall. Yeah, not, I think he's probably six feet. Maybe, yeah, maybe six feet. But like you said, he's he's very flexible. That that's that's where he gets his edge. He's very flexible. He can. He's very dynamic. But really, the guy who really impresses me is probably Leonard Fournette. Just how well he moves at what two forty. Great hips, you know, like me, I, I'm a smaller back, so right. a lot of people expect me to be able to get in and out of my cuts really quickly. Right. But he, he's a guy, he's really impressed me. Yeah, because he, he's a big dude, and he's not that, he. I thought he would be taller, like yeah. he's just like... He's compact. Definitely. You don't want to yeah. like run into him. Uh-huh. And and he impressed me last season because he'll run past you, he'll jump over you. That's and the it, most impressive thing about him, is he how was on fast that old, he is, man. Fat, yeah, yeah. Dude can run, dude is faster than me. Is and he, he really? And, he, and he's heavier than me, yeah, for Wait, sure. Man. Are you serious? I, I would think so, man. Like when I watch him run, like he he can he can pick him up, put him down, and shoot, he's just not normal. So just watching him, how humble he is too. You know, right, he's a guy. He comes from humble beginnings, and he obviously hasn't forgot that. Um, all right. So you're from Alabama. Yep. You're in Los Angeles. You grew up. You had nine siblings. Uh, eight. I'm eight, the youngest. You're the nine. ninth. Mm-hmm. So you had eight brothers and sisters. Yep. Six sisters, two brothers. And you're the you're the youngest. Yep. Oh, see that that's that's an interesting thing. So, you're the baby. Yep. So, are is the rest of your family athletic? Like who? Like in your primes? Because I'm sure the age is yeah, spread. Of course. Who's the fastest? In the primes, I'm the fastest probably in all of our primes of the guys. Of uh, the girls, my sister Medina, she was all state in everything she did. Volleyball, pound for pound, she's probably the best athlete in our family in her prime. All-state volleyball, all-state basketball, all-state track. I can't say that. I wasn't all-state basketball. I was all-state track and football, but basketball, she got me beat. And what, when you ran track, what was your, what was your like, best uh, race and what was your best time best, um, in your prime? Yeah, my best were uh, the 100. 100-yard dash. 100-yard dash, and I was a long jumper. And what was your thing. best 100-yard dash? Best 100-yard dash was a 10.68. And I what's like decent. Hussein Bolt at? Nine five eight. We we had a guy in my high school actually ran ten oh one though. He was like the pride and joy of the school when it came to track. So you were a fast motherfucker, and Hussein Bolt is like a second yeah, faster dude. than you. you. Yeah, Usain Bolt. A lot of people they see him running, they don't really understand what he's really doing. He's he's running less than a second per meter when he's really hitting top speed and. Nine five eight. I don't know when the next person's gonna break that record. Yeah, and and nine five eight, ten five eight, eleven five eight, twelve five eight. Yeah. All this is out of my demographic. Yeah, I mean like like me like twelve five eight would like you know like that might <laughs> that'd happen. Be a good like, time for be for me. Time, yeah, that'd be a great time for me. I'm one of the slowest people in my. <laughs> the, the good thing about my speed, Amir, because you're a speed dude, is that I never lost a step because I never had it. Huh. So I'm about the same speed as I was when I was eighteen. When I was at my that'll fastest. Work. That'll work, though. Um, all right, so Alabama. You're from Alabama. Yeah. Like, I've never been to Alabama. Yeah, I'm from, I'm from Birmingham, uh, right outside the city, from a small little community called Smithfield. Okay. Yep. Like, how small is it? <sighs> like, how many people in your... Like, does everybody know everybody? Yeah, for the most part. And eight yeah. of... Nine of the people... Are the Abdullahs? Yeah, yeah. So, like, you took up, like, a quarter of the population? Like, your family? Like, you guys took up... Like, you I know, say like, we were about... A seventh of the population, right. for sure. So you you wound up playing football at Nebraska. Uh-huh. When you got to w- w- to make the choice to go to Nebraska, did you get were like were you one of these high school uh, football players? Like you had options to go everywhere. Man, no, I had a I had a really tough road. My high school, as you can imagine, wasn't very big, and we didn't know much about recruiting. I didn't send out my film until after my senior year. 
You you didn't at all. No, I, I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know how to get recruited. I didn't know what it took. I just used to see these guys online who were you know four or five stars, and I was like, how are they doing this? Are they just that much better than me? But it was really they were sending out their film and going to camps. I didn't go to a camp until like the midway of my senior year. Like know? to one of these football camps, mm-hmm. like one of those satellite camps where like all the college coaches are you know at you see Jim Harbaugh and all those dudes right. At, uh, I didn't do that type of type of stuff. So I didn't. Were get you my thinking first. I want to play college football? Yeah, man. Like, I, did you? Were you aware like you were at that level? In my mind, ever since I was six years old, I I, I knew I was going to play in the pros. And it sounds crazy, but you know, you just have the intuition. I just knew I, I could play professional football, and I knew I was going to get there no matter the route it took. But it was discouraging, you know, getting done my senior year. I was all state, led the state in rushing, and I didn't have a single offer. I had running backs in the same division who didn't even crack a thousand, who had offers to at least Tuskegee and UAB, and I didn't have any of that. So. And, but but football's huge down here, yes, right? It's like huge, it's the yeah. sport. So are you like getting to a point where you're like, this isn't going to work out? Because you obviously have to play college football. Definitely, definitely. I mean, um, it, it got to a point where I was like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to, you know, go to University of Auburn and you know try to walk on. And uh, but things changed after I sent out my film. I started sending out my film, and first off was Texas A and M. And at that point, I knew I was like, okay. And then once that comes in, they all come in. rolling. You know, I had a, I had a bunch of visits. Uh, probably the last month of leading up to signing day, I had a visit every single week. Okay. Yeah. Besides from football and track, uh, did you play any other sports? Yeah, I played basketball. So how tall are you? I'm five nine. So you are you could could you dunk? I can. I can, can you dunk. dunk still? I can still dunk now. Yeah. I'm a jumper, man. Like long jump. I never told you my long jump. What was your long jump? Twenty four eleven. I could, I could long. That was in high school, and I know I could jump a lot further than that probably now because I'm a lot stronger. I was a jumper. That that was my best thing. So today you could bang it on somebody. Oh yeah, for sure. Are you a two foot jumper or a one foot jumper? Doesn't matter. <laughs> that, 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 doesn't matter. But basketball, really, no pun intended, is my favorite sport to watch. I think those dudes are the most skilled, other than some soccer players, are the most skilled athletes on the planet, man. Dudes are incredible. Oh, they're ridiculous. What's, so what's your team? Because Alabama... I'm a, I'm a Laker fan. I'm a Laker really? fan. Really? Yeah, like up. a Laker, Laker fan for life? For life. For life. Th- thick and thin, man. Now to this day, back in the early 2000s, in the mid-2000s, when they were struggling, I, I even accepted Smush Parker when he was on the squad. What about Smush? Like, people... You know, Smush is from New York. He got a bad rap. He like, did. Yeah, his averages actually weren't that bad. I mean, by the same time, he was on a bad Laker team, so that's not saying a lot. But he averaged what it was like thirteen and like five or something like he, that. That's he was not like bad. he had a tough run as yeah. a Laker, though. Yeah, I mean, he, he was. I, mean, I think him and Kobe didn't get along. Yeah, he, he was he, one of those dudes that Kobe was like on him. Of course, I mean, he played during the time where Kobe was literally at his best. Right. So you got to let Kobe be. And Smush was trying to obviously make a name for himself. Right. So. No, no, I got a. I had a Lamar Odom was just on the podcast, yeah. which was dope to see him, and then and Metal World Peace. Nice. He speaks like you got to check. Love it out. to have a conversation with him. He's you know he's so much. You know the thing about him is like that the fight everybody thought that defined him, of and course, obviously it yeah. was a fuck up thing um, for him to go to. You know, but but he's so. I mean that's like a life changing thing. Yeah, it was. You know what I mean for him, and I think at the end of the at the end of the the, the rainbow. Uh, it was a positive thing, like a, a positive came from a negative, but he was dope to have on the on the podcast. He has one of the most underrated careers ever because he played a very long time, very long time, and and he was high level, dude. I up until the suspension, when he was with the Rockets, man, he almost took my Lakers down by yeah. himself. And when was, he was with Indiana, he was when he, before the whole thing happened, he was averaging twenty four points and yeah. all star, and and uh, so you're a Lakers fan. 
You you follow the NBA. You could bang it on people anytime, any place. And, and let me ask you this: You you like ball? This has been my uh, uh, a topic. I love watching Russell Westbrook. He's a freak. Yeah. He's a beast. He's a he's a one note beast. He yeah. there's there's just full tilt all the time. But as a basketball fan, everything we've seen of Russell Westbrook for his entire career. Do you think it's possible for anybody to play in peace, in cohesion with Russell Westbrook? After everything we see, and, and, be by, yeah. and I love him, but I'm like, yo, I just don't think he could play with another guy, a star. Like, look, like Paul George and Carmelo, sometimes like they're mm-hmm. like, he's treating them dudes like they're like ancillary players. Like they're yep. just like dudes. And like Paul George is sick. Is a star. Carmelo is still an offensive yeah. force. He's out there waving for the ball. Like he's like, you yeah. know, some like, you know, Lithuanian dude that just got a 10 day contract. Yeah. I mean, with Russell, he's a stat machine. He's going to put up the triple double. And sometimes I think that's a little misleading because you're like, oh, he is a passer because he's averaging 10 assists a game. But he has to control the game in order for him to be successful. Russ can't be on the court facilitating, not necessarily driving and kicking, if he expects to have a successful game. Russ, I, is, he's not at his best when he is the true facilitator, when he's the true Ricky Rubio of the day. He can't, he, he's just not at his best. And it's, that's fine. You know, I love watching Russ when he's just dominating the ball, you know, dominating the control of the ball. But that's not going to happen when you got Paul George and I'm. I'm I mean, glad Paul Victor, George is ridiculous. I'm so glad Victor Oladipo left. Look what happened because to that Victor. dude is a monster. Look at Victor left. I mean, listen, we could talk and bang our heads over the Kevin Durant leaving, yeah. but like you, you, when you look at Paul it's George, it's a bunch of players. Reggie Jackson. It's a lot of guys you see when they leave that situation. It gets a lot better for him. Yeah, because I guess you have to scrutinize Russell Westbrook because you look at it, you're like, yo, all this stuff, these people leave. Even James Harden, when he was young, left. Man. Durant, you know, you know, this is going to be like a part of his career, like yeah. a stain on his. He could win 10 championships. Exactly. You know, it, people are still like, I mean, it's like LeBron, Kevin Durant, like as far as the most yeah, scrutinized exactly. dudes. Um, all right, so then who are the final four teams? You got Houston in the West and who else? Golden State. Okay. Golden State for sure. And let's just say Cleveland's getting out of the East. Yeah. So who do we got winning the championship? Can make a prediction? Come on. Oh, man. If either one of those teams are, I, th- I think they're handling Cleveland pretty. Killing them. I think so. I think so. Uh, even as well as LeBron is playing, it's amazing what you know LeBron's done over the last Ridiculous. month. Ridiculous. Playing basketball. He's getting better in his 15th year. But <laughs> I just don't see the firepower. I don't see the camaraderie with Cleveland so up and down I agree they don't even know who's really leading the squad sometimes I agree me personally I think LeBron should lead that squad I think he should but you know who would say different but is that going to take you to a championship when you got young guys young pieces like Jordan Clarkson who's never really been there Uh, these guys ain't prime time ready exactly they're not you know which I mean if LeBron wins it with those people at that point you're like hey I don't know. You know what I mean? If, he, if there's somehow, <laughs> some way, LeBron James and this this Cleveland Cavaliers team won, I will sit here and say he's Michael Jordan. Yeah. He's better than Mike. They ain't winning. That being said, NFL, NBA, basketball. Who in the NBA, who in the NFL has game? Basketball. Hoping. Who, who could play ball that you've played with? Um, or that you've seen at these little bullcrap charity games? Um... Do you well, guys play? Well, we had a guy on our team. His name was Darren Fells. He actually played professional basketball overseas before he started playing football. Okay. So me, I haven't seen a lot of guys hoop. 
I can only speak for my team. Okay. Most of the time, uh, who who's nice on the on the Lions? Slay is actually pretty good. Okay. Their Slay is actually pretty good. He's really athletic. Theoretic is really good. Uh, can my my man Galladay with them them those long ass arms? I've never seen him hoop. Never seen him hoop. That kid doesn't even talk, man. He doesn't. He's he's like the epitome of a Chicago kid. Just tough. Just just go get it. Like every day, he just come in to work, man. He's I love, a quiet I love that dude. Kid. I love that kid. Yeah, he's just real quiet. I mean, he'll talk to you, you know. Right. But like he's not just. The most outspoken individual. Does he remind you at all of Calvin Johnson? I mean, I know that's a, a high, like I mean, in terms of the size and yeah. the jump ball ability for sure. What about my man Stafford? Can he play ball? I don't know if he actually he can. Well, he should. He has a court in his house that he lets us hoop at every Halloween, so he should be able to hoop. I don't know. But he didn't. He the court in his house. He didn't. He don't. He don't come play at Halloween. <laughs> Probably not. I don't. I'm not even sure. All right. So. Nebraska, mm-hmm. you play football in Nebraska. Your senior season, because you 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 were thinking about leaving your junior, junior year, right? Year, yeah. And and when you're thinking about leaving, what was the reason why you wound up staying? Like, is it education? Is it you're not ready? Is it you want to get you want to get ready? Like when you look back at it, like what was the real reason why you stayed one uh, extra season? It was a combination of a couple of things. Uh, I'm a big believer. Uh, I always finish what you start. Uh, my mom, she raised. Nine, you know, competent children. Eight of them at the time had gotten their degrees. So, oh, okay. So I, I, I didn't want. To, I only had like five credits left. Didn't okay. have much left. And you know, once you leave school, you don't really want to come back. Right. Uh, and I felt like I needed a lot more personal education. I felt like I needed to learn people more because a lot of people who step from the collegiate realm to the professional realm, they don't understand this is a business. Mm. And you're dealing with people, you're dealing with the psychology of the game now. And it's a lot more personal education I feel like I needed before I was ready to take that step. That's dope. That's yeah. cool that, that you were that, that aware of that. Definitely. And I got, so you, I, I, got, I got to give it to my sisters and brothers. I mean, they, they, you know, they schooled me to the game for sure. What do, so you wound up graduating? Mm-hmm. What was your uh, degree in? Uh, pre-law and double major in history. Damn. Yeah. That's, all right. That's I have two attorneys in my family. Two attorneys, yeah. All right, that that's impressive. I mean, you know, that's impressive for anybody, but a football player, a, a Heisman candidate. What is your take? You know, like every March, it comes up NCAA uh, with basketball. It's a, like then it'll die down. You know where I'm going, and then mm-hmm. you know, come come uh, August, they start talking about uh, you know with football. You're a smart guy, obviously. You played, you participated. Uh, now you're in the NFL. What is your take on paying college athletes, and do you think it'll actually ever happen? I'm not sure if it'll ever happen, but I, I definitely believe that players should be able to use their likeness in certain opportunities to make money. I mean, if, if a guy has possibly like a trading card deal, you know, because, I mean, what they make annually on each player in college football and just on March Madness alone, right? It's ridiculous. You know what what, what they can do to re, uh, facilitate that through the players and through a lot of different benefit programs. I feel like would be a lot more helpful than where the money's actually going now. But um, I think players should be able to at least use their likeness in some situations. I mean, when you're there, like, how much are they explaining to you? Like, are they breaking down? Do this. Don't do that. Don't sign this. Because so many kids, it seems like, I mean, you know, I think it was Manziel. Like, yeah. he signed cards. I mean, it's the list goes on and Definitely. on and on. And then you, you start hearing about this. Are they explaining the rules, the do's and don'ts? They do. They, they do. Um, I think it's more to, to make sure nothing slips by them, you know, as opposed to really educating us on what the rules are. You know? I got you. Uh, 
we have meetings before every training camp, every fall camp, whatever you want to call it in college, before every spring ball, telling us, you know, compliance. They come down and say, if this guy shows up, beware of this guy. You know, they even have guys marked down who are like the boosters to watch for and stuff like that. But to stay away from. Definitely. Like definitely. that could, like. I, I just think it's ridiculous that um, a lot of players can go out and perform in front of hundreds of thousands and make so much money for the university, but they can't get a free dinner from a booster or alumni, you know, who's been there, who just enjoys to watch you play on Saturday. If you go to dinner with a booster, Joe Schmo, Tony mm-hmm. Soprano looking dude, and he's he's been there, he's giving money to the school. He could give money to the school, but mm-hmm. he can't take Amir Abdullah out to Red Lobster. Exactly. He can't even buy you a soda? He can't even do it. So if know. he buys you a soda, $1.99, and like you guys are just there at like wherever... A pizza That's a place. That's a penalty. Holy shit. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous, man. So you have to say, no, I got the soda? Mm-hmm. Damn. Yeah. That's I, crazy. Yeah, my, my freshman year, I was actually involved with a situation where I was unknowingly let someone buy me a Subway sandwich. And I had to go through extreme links of finding the receipt so I can pay the exact amount back to that person. And how do they even track this situation? <laughs> it was like, after Twitter, I was like, hey, thanks for the sandwich. You know, thank them. And then they tracked that down and... It, it it was it was ridiculous. That was my first taste of like the NCAA is a bunch of bullshit, really. Um, all right. So when you look back at all the games you played at Nebraska, the college atmosphere, where was the toughest, craziest, rowdiest fans that you played against? Probably Ohio State. What is it like in there? Well, we never had a good experience there. They kicked our ass every time we were in there, but it's just loud the whole time. The entire time, and every time we always had a night game, primetime TV. When Braxton Miller was playing at his best, you uh-huh. know, Carlos I was was killing us. Uh, it was they were just rude too, really how, rude. How? I mean, I remember one year they were beating us probably by like thirty in the fourth quarter. Game is over. That they're just saying personal things. They you know they find personal things. And being black and Muslim in this country, obviously I, I hear a lot of just like crazy stuff. They're they're tracking Green the- Bay as well, man. Green Bay is like that too. Now as a college. pro, yeah, as a pro, yeah. They're rough in there. Rough, man. They, they find out a lot of like your personal history, and you know that is you know say whatever. Talk so, about your sisters, mom, whatever. They'll look at the whole yeah, thing for they're, sure. Yeah. So you're a Muslim. This country since nine eleven, being a Muslim. Is such a scrutinized man. It's a lot of pressure. Such a um, confusing, I think, uh, uh, polarizing uh, religion in this country. What does it mean to be a Muslim? You grew up Muslim. What does it mean to see from nine eleven? You how many years ago was that? That's so you were a kid. I was in fourth grade. You know, like before that, this was not an issue, and then. Since they explain to me what being a Muslim is to you and just every everything that comes with it post 9-11, essentially. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, being Muslim for me is just being a man of faith, just trusting in the process of anything that's thrown at you in life. You know, I really believe that God makes this world for individually everybody, which, may, which means specifically he makes this world for you, just like he made this world for me. And then that's how I live my life. But like you said, after 9-11, and a lot of things have just been scrutinized and twisted through, you know, media propaganda to build up this villainous essence of what Islam is about, you know, to try to purify this country in a sense of just Christianity or whatever mindset they want the, you know, the country to believe. And they do that 
uh, through villainizing people, saying this is what they believe, you know. And it's, I, I just find it ironic that the people who know nothing about the religion, who've never practiced the religion a day in their life, feel like they're constituted to speak on or say this is what they believe mm -hmm. or this is how they act or this is what they want us to do you know and it's it's i just i just wish a lot of people would thoroughly educate themselves on why would a lot of people be mad you know why would a lot of these so-called extremists be upset mm -hmm. is it something that america did that's mm -hmm. not highlighted in you know mainstream you know media mm -hmm. uh why, why are we over there you know mm -hmm. why are we involved in these things and i'm not saying what they do are right at all you mm -hmm. know i don't agree with killing anyone mm -hmm. you know but at the same time we can't turn a blind eye to and just think people would just react out of nothing mm -hmm. you know uh my dad always says anytime i see a kid on a playground you know punch a kid i don't always get mad at that guy who threw the punch first I think, what did that guy do to deserve that punch? Mm -hmm. You know, and all this, all it is not always that the guy deserved that punch, but at least you got to ask those questions. Do you think, like, has the stigma and the sort of like, the, it's, it, I guess the word stigma, it's like, oh, Muslim, you know, has that felt like a burden, especially being a professional oh, athlete? Man. Yeah, I feel like I'm constantly explaining myself. But I've got. Is it brought up a lot? All the time, all the time, man. Especially, you know, going into training camp a lot of time, uh, Ramadan falls, going into OTAs, and I get the same questions. How do you do it? How do you? And they, they make it such an alien thing as if this country isn't a salad bowl of religion or isn't a salad bowl of cultures. And I'm like, this country wasn't founded on Christianity. This country wasn't founded on just white people. It wasn't just founded on black people or whatever you want to say. You know, it's founded on people in the human race. Right. And, but... It's, it's like I said. It's been this stereotype that America, America, Christianity. That's right. not what that means, right? You know? But and they try to like you know in the media a lot. They try to build as if it's such a foreign thing, as if this came over later. But this has been right here for years. It, you know? it, it's almost as if like uh, the religion started after nine eleven. After nine eleven, like it just spawned from wherever. You know, it's crazy. It is. It's crazy. And being a football player, I mean, in this day and age, I mean, one thing that's interesting about being a fan of football, being a fan of the NBA, NBA, obviously, there's no uniforms. Like, when I saw you at the work, I'm like, oh, shit, that's Amir. Like, when you guys don't have your uniforms mm -hmm. on, you have the helmets on yeah. so much. Like, I would, you know, like, if you ever, if, if I see you with your uniform and your helmet, I'm like, Amir Abdullah. Yeah. You know, all, all those dudes out there. Um, you're like in a 24-hour, 24-7 during the season. It, I think basketball it's worse because you know we're, we we know all the players because they're yeah, they're not covered. Course. You know the, the you're like in a reality show. And last year, two seasons actually, with the Kaepernick uh, situation, um, which it's so clear as to oh man, was that like last year's like conversation? Uh, was I, it was it nonstop? <clears throat> it was. Well, for me and, and for our team, it, it was a big deal, you know, because it, it was a lot of uh, a couple of players, myself included. You know, we demonstrate, you know, demonstrate or whatever. The, going into two thousand seven, two thousand this past sixteen. Well, two thousand sixteen, I was involved, and two thousand seven. Two thousand sixteen was when it started, mm -hmm. and then because we're in two thousand eighteen, so two thousand sixteen was when Cap was still with the Niners. Yeah. Okay. Like, what what has it been like? It's fucking crazy. It's, it's, it's been unbelievable. It's uh, it's like living in a revolving door, 
because a lot of people just really want to ignore the issue and and they want to make it about a material thing. They want to make it about the flag and ignore that this flag doesn't represent just the military. It doesn't represent just a veteran. Right. It's supposed to represent teachers, mothers, daughters, fathers, Muslims, Christians, everybody. And the only thing that Cap ever did about taking a stance was holding people accountable to what you say this flag means or mm. what you say this country represents. And some people don't like that. When you hold them accountable, they don't like that. And they try to twist your words and turn it as if you're sending hate towards a specific group. But they're contradicting themselves because you're saying you're about Americanism, you know, and patriotism and love of this country. But this country captures everybody. Mm-hmm. And when you're not showing universal justice for everyone in this country, then you're, you can't call yourself American. You can't call yourself a patriot. Did you ever imagine that when you guys first kneeled going into 2016 yep. that it would turn into what it's turned into? Because I can't believe that Colin Kaepernick, as a football player, mm-hmm. with totally unbiasedness, whether you agree with him or not agree with him, straight up, Amir Abdullah, Colin Kaepernick should absolutely be in the NFL, oh, man, skill-wise, sure. at for least sure. as a backup, right? At least. I mean, for At me. least as a backup. <laughs> I mean, I'm not oh, going to discredit... Forget everything yeah, that's happened. I'm not going to discredit any other quarterback in this league, but... We, but as a backup? We've seen these Or even signings. as a third. Yeah, man, like... Because you need three quarterbacks. Yes. Like, I mean, that's not just some crazy shit, right? That's just... I mean, if, if you He's can 29? Have, he's not even 30. If you can have Colin Kaepernick as your third quarterback, you're winning. You're like, dude, I got... My third stringer has been to Super Bowl before. And my I'm third good. stringer at least at least is going to be able to get the exactly. fucking ball down the exactly. field. Exactly. That's for real, right? <laughs> With all unbiasedness, without all yeah. prejudice, whatever. He should absolutely, the skill set should be playing in the NFL. Of course, yeah. It's, it's just ridiculous to, to, at this point, say it's about talent as opposed to the stand that he made. It's amazing to me. Eric Reed, mm-hmm. he's now, like, he's not signed with a team. And Eric Reed isn't? No. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. I was just with him a couple weeks ago. Uh, as far time. as I know, he's not signed, or he wasn't signed when, like, the last time I looked. And, you know, he made a, either him or his agent was like, he almost made a, uh, a public thing saying if he goes to a team, he won't kneel. And I'm like, this is insane to me. Like, that, that it has to, like. Yeah, that he won't kneel. As if kneeling just. And this is a star. Like, yo, Man, he, he's Eric a Reed's badass. He's one, one of the best safeties in the league. He's 26. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 27. He's not even, like, <laughs> like there's no excuses. Um, so, last year, like, what do you make of it? Like, and what, what do you guys do going forward? Like, it is a business. You know, do you feel like you have to compromise yourself? Like, or is it, is it not worth it to kneeling because the scrutiny? Like, and also, it's, it's like, yo, they're kicking motherfuckers yeah, out the league. Yeah, for real, man. And I mean, this is our job. You know, a lot of guys, this is how we make money. This is how we're, you know, setting ourselves up for the future, future ventures that we're going to go into. And it's tough just, you know, obviously making that decision on if, if I'm going to near or not because I'm a, I'm a big Jay-Z fan. And I believe in one line that he says, I'd rather die enormous than to live dormant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the kind of person I am. You know, I'm not going to conform myself 
just so I can appease someone, you know. Mm-hmm. But it is tough when, you know, a lot of these people have children. They have it's a job. To support your you're, job. You're a professional football player, yeah. and you're a professional. You know, and I understand the, you know, don't bring necessarily politics to work, but it's tough when politics are brought to us to work every single day. We, how so? We're forced to sing the national anthem every day. That's politics, man. Right. You know what I mean? Like, how, how can you tell me not to... You know, bring politics or my political stance or belief towards something when I'm a public figure and I have the media asking me about Donald Trump or asking me about how I feel about this. I have my that that's to my that's to my job. That's to my workplace. Or asking me, uh, well, what does you being a Muslim athlete mean? That's you bringing my political being I got to you. my workplace. That's not like a normal that's, job. That's, that's not like a normal job. And when I'm a person, I'm I'm a human. Right. You know, I, I have feelings. I have you know, thoughts or opinions on things. And when I see people of color being killed in the streets at an alarming rate and no justice is being served, Mm -hmm. am am I not allowed to express my distaste for that? Mm -hmm. Because I I know... Especially when it's being asked. I know if the shoe was on the other foot, if it was a, a terrorist attack demonstrated through by ISIS and we took a knee for... Whatever the situation was, because of military people were killed, people will stand up and clap. Mm-hmm. Stand up and clap. But what's the difference between these African Americans or brown people mm-hmm. in this country being killed, and we're taking a stand for them who are actually citizens of this country? Mm-hmm. Why is that different? Mm-hmm. You know. But it, like you said, it is tough because people's jobs are being taken away. I didn't know Eric Reed wasn't even on the team. Right yeah. Now. Yeah, I mean, and Cap is like, they made an example out of him. That's yeah. like fucking like, that's like. And, and that's what people say. That's like, that's what he gets. Like for being this, I'm like, no, that, you that, hear that, yourself. That's like, you know, it's a lynching. It's an example exactly. of a lynching. It's it's not a lynching, Man, obviously. But like how they used to lynch people like publicly. Mm-hmm. Like, yo, this is what's going to happen. This is what this is. It's a fucking lynching. It was. It they is. made an example of this fucking guy. And, <laughs> and, you know, I got into my little shit with Manziel. This whole thing with him, it's like, listen, I wish uh, uh, if you're everybody to reach your dreams. Now it's kind of like, well, you ain't playing in the NFL, Mm -hmm. you know, Manziel, because you were doing wild shit. And he happens to be a quarterback Mm -hmm. and he's a polarizing quarterback, just like Kaepernick is a polarizing quarterback, totally different things. And it's like and whether or not Manziel has a skill set, but it's like, yo, you ain't playing in the NFL now. Like Mm -hmm. he's sort of gotten swept up in this. Because it, it's just, it's a mess. Let, let, let's yeah. talk about football, your football, Detroit Lions. Cool. Matt Stafford yep. signs a contract last year for $700 billion. <laughs> Does he buy the team dinner? Like when you go, when you guys are on the road with Matt Stafford, uh, he, he, like no one's reaching for their wallet. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, what was his contract? $400 billion? $600 million? <laughs> It was a lot. It was definitely a lot. I think it was like 135. 135 like million. 135. At the time, you know, quarterbacks are just getting higher and higher for him, but he was the highest player ever. Um, he hosts events at his house. Okay. I mean? he, he lets us come over all the time. He's a real cool guy. Uh, so that's enough for me. I'm not going to ask him to, you know, buy me dinner or anything, but. But I mean, well, if we're at dinner, it's like we're gonna it, it look at it like I'm. Nice. I, I don't know Matt, but I if I'm at, opposed. If, if it, I'm in the same restaurant, if I'm in Ruth Chris yeah. and he's in the restaurant. Um, I've I've had him on my fantasy teams. I'm gonna expect him to yeah. pay with the 135 million. And don't forget, he was the first pick in 09 too. So before <laughs> before the new CBA, so he the money's coming in. The money's there. The money's definitely there. All right. So your crew, 
Uh, they just signed LeGarrette, mm -hmm. who for some reason is like, I, I don't know why LeGarrette Blunt is a, a taken-for-granted guy. He kicked ass with the Patriots yeah. when he ki he kicked ass. I, I don't understand it. Maybe the age, but other than that, what, it's like, I, what, dude, Where are we, ageism? He, he, he's age not discrimination? down, though, so that's the thing. Like The, the year before last, with yeah. the Patriots, he broke records. Last year when he got the ball, he kicked ass. Mm -hmm. How excited are you uh, uh, to have him... But, you know, you guys in Detroit, like your running game, it's been a three-headed monster. Mm -hmm. And I get – I'm a fantasy football expert. That's a fact. I've had yeah. you on my fantasy football team. You guys are one of the teams uh, uh, where the, the ball gets distributed a lot. Yeah. Is that frustrating? Like, it, is. Dude, it is. It is. And, and, and what do you know going into a game plan? Like, all right, I mean, you're going to get 10 touches. Uh, you know, Theo, you're going to get 12 touches. Like, how does yeah. it get broken down? Like, so the two-part question, is it frustrating at times? Like, to, does it break up your rhythm? It, it's, it's frustrating, especially coming from Nebraska where I was the guy. You know, I knew I was going to get the ball at least 20 times a game. And for me, it's not necessarily getting a certain number of touches is getting meaningful touches and getting into a rhythm. That, that That's where it gets kind of frustrating where, you know, the coaches, they I, I trust their game plan. You know, they go in and, you know, they're much smarter than me. They go in and they dissect how they want to attack the team we're playing and how they want to break down the touches. But it's hard when I come in, I get a carry, and I break it for about 10 yards. Then I come out for about three plays. Then I got to come in to, like, pass protect. Then I don't get my next carry to like the next quarter. Do you know that going into a game, sort of you the scheme? You have no clue. You have no clue. I mean, we're in a pass-heavy offense as it is. We're right. in a pass-heavy offense. Uh, uh, so it, it's tough to make the most of some of your touches, uh, especially when you don't know when they're going to come. Okay. Uh, but for me, what I've learned the most about Detroit and what I appreciate about Detroit is the fact that mentally I'm a lot tougher than I ever would have been if I feel like I would have went somewhere else. Why? Just because it's a very unconventional and different situation for me. I don't get the ball as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. uh, with our pass-heavy offense, they use Theo a lot in the past game. Mm -hmm. Unless they want to go deep and use me to just run past people, then they use me. Mm -hmm. And we don't run the ball much. I probably got maybe like seven carries a game last year, which is what, less than two a quarter if you want to break that that's down. That's tough. It's tough. It's tough, especially when you have a lot of pressure on you to be that thousand-yard back, and it's like – what do you expect if I'm getting six a game? Right. You know, you know that's, it's kind of tough. But I appreciate that because it's made me a lot mentally tougher. And going into the last year of my contract, I feel like I'm ready for anything. You know, this is coming. This is your last year. This is about to be my last year of my contract. This is the the fourth year. Fourth year of a four year contract. Mm -hmm. So when you when you sign, you sign a four year contract. Four year deal. Um, Matty Patricia, who uh, I I mean this guy because I'm a Giants fan. This guy drives me nuts. Have you met Matt Patricia yet? I haven't met him personally yet. Um, he, he sent, you know, obviously a couple of emails to the team and stuff like that. But I've done my own research. I know this dude's like a genius. He's a genius. Yeah. I read somewhere where, like, he was studying to be, like, an astrophysicist right. or something like right. that. So, I mean, obviously the, the brain power is there. I'm interested to see how he conducts the team. Obviously, you know, being a defensive coordinator, not necessarily being a head coach. Now you have to, you know, work with two different realms of the team. I'm interested to see, and I'm just excited. I, I love new change. I always like new change. Uh, yeah, I think it'll be exciting. I mean, I think, you know, coming from, from Belichick, obviously, yeah. you know, the people, the expectations are going to be high. Has it been frustrating? Like, you're, you're so damn close. Definitely. There's so much talent on that team. You know, uh, uh, is it frustrating? Like, it's always like you guys are always like week 15, week yep. 16. It's always right they cook, 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 shit. Yeah. I mean, it's frustrating for me just because, for one, we have a quarterback who is probably going to be 
we're looking at his numbers, he might end up in the Hall of Fame. Right. And anytime you have a guy like that, especially in the league, like a quarterback-driven league right now, you want to make the most of, you know, his time before he starts to, you know, regress. And I feel like Matt is – he's on the up. So we definitely have to ride that wave and just produce, man. I, th- I think things are coming together. I know we made a couple coaching changes, and hopefully we get, a, you know, a couple guys in there who really are going to look and evaluate our talent and use each talent individually to succeed, not just to run a scheme, but to see these guys and be like, I got to get him involved this way. I got you. You know, like you, like do what you, as opposed to just. Definitely. Instead of just running a scheme. I got you. That never works. I got you. I got you. Um, uh, Thanksgiving. You haven't been able to rest on a Thanksgiving for the last four Mm -hmm. years. What is it like playing on Thanksgiving and, you know, like how big are those games and do you actually get to actually eat a Thanksgiving Day meal? Uh, well, I appreciate Thanksgiving probably differently than what why the typical American appreciates. Uh-huh. Probably just to be around my family. I don't really support Thanksgiving like right, that. Right, right. I got but, you. Uh, but it is still a yeah, day. It, like, it's it a day is, of rest. It whatever. It is a day where I have always watched a football game. And you got to Everybody's got to eat something. Man, you're eating. You know what I mean? Your mom's going to put down the best meal she can for the year, pretty much. And uh, it, it's, it's tough. I've had my family come to me now. Which is the entire crew? Most of them. Most of them. I have one sister that lives in D.C. She has her own family, so that's always tough for her to, to come to us. But for the last... How part, do you distribute tickets? Can you get tickets? You got eight brothers and sisters. They might have a wife. Okay. Uh, what are we doing here? Yeah, I, man, sometimes I either cut a deal with them because most of the time I got to come out of my pocket, you know, for most of these tickets. But I understand. If it's a holiday, I don't mind. You know, I want my family to be there, especially, you know, it's always a... We're, we're one of the few games that's playing that day. Us and, an, and another team, so I know all of America's watching. That's a special moment for them to be there. So, You mentioned Green Bay. You guys play Green Bay, Minnesota, Chicago. You, you, you mentioned Green Bay is the toughest place to play. What is it like playing in Green Bay? Well, for one, the grass is always bad. It's always bad. The field. Yeah, just because the terrain in the Midwest is just unpredictable. It can rain the day before. It's always wet. The grass is never just intact like that. So the field is always tough. Then the next thing is like Green Bay, their fans, I guess, own the team or something. Isn't it like owned by the city or uh-huh. something? So they definitely bring that ownership type of attitude. Like it's their team. Yeah, like, man, and they, they just, I mean, it brings passion, but at the same time, it's kind of a scary feeling playing there because those, those fans are really brutal. Are they really? They are. They're brutal, for sure. I, I remember, um, like I said, being black and Muslim, it's, it's like a, a, a double, you know, pressure on me sometimes. Right. I remember my rookie year, I forgot what, I think maybe it was after the Boston bomb. What, what, what happened in 2015? It was... I think it was Boston. Was it Boston? Yeah. We were having a moment of silence, which... It's ridiculous when people yell and scream during moments of silence, but all you can hear was deaf to Muslims and this and the third. While and you're having the moment while, of silence? While we're having a moment of silence, and I'm sitting there, I'm just like, man, they're talking to me. You know, I'm probably the only Muslim on the field, and I'm hearing all this stuff. And nowhere else, I don't think I would have heard that necessarily than Green Bay. So it was, it was definitely an eye-opening thing for me. That's crazy. It was crazy, man. When, when, you, when you're on the field... In a stadium like Green Bay, uh, Minnesota, Chicago, uh, a, a tough Philadelphia, there are animals out yeah. there. Can you hear 
The fans? Yeah. A lot of times you can't. I know in New York you can't because in New York they're right on top of you kind of. So we played in New York this past year on Monday Night Football, and we, we, we were winning pretty good. And the fans, that's I like New York fans because they never give up, though. Uh-huh. You know, they just say funny stuff in the back of your, you know, back of your ear the whole time. But yeah, you you usually can, especially when they're calling out the quarterback or calling out one specific player. You definitely can hear all the stuff they're saying. All right, what was your first "oh shit, I'm in the NFL" moment where you were like on the field playing, but you were like, "There's so and so." Man, it was Monday Night Football, my rookie year. We were playing the Denver Broncos. The year Peyton Win won the uh, Super Bowl. And he ran out on the field. And that was the first time I had seen a guy, and I was like, damn, that's a quarterback. Because, like, I see Matt all the time, so I'm like, okay, that's just Stafford. But when I saw Peyton Manning come out there warming up, I was like, that's a Hall of Fame quarterback. I didn't realize he was that tall. I didn't realize, like, that was, you know, that was Peyton Manning. He had, like, a legendary night that night, too, lit us up. But that was my first, like, oh, shit, I'm in the NFL. I'm on the same field with a guy I used to play with. Matting with when I was little, that's that, Peyton Manning. So I mean, that, that was special. That's cool. Yeah. Um, NFL defensive players. You got my guy uh, uh, all day. Big play, Darius Slay. Mm-hmm. The safeties, the defensive backs. These are the biggest shit talkers in the yeah. NFL. You're you seem like a mild mannered dude. You don't seem like a real shit talker. It depends. It depends on the day. Give it to me. Cause, cause I'm, I'm a Hall of Fame shit talker. Do you instigate the shit talking or? No, nah, man. See everybody, everybody I've interviewed football players. Said, nah. They all say they don't start it, they finish it. Nah, but I have to say, the defense, de- defensive players always started. Who are the biggest? All right, so who are the biggest shit talkers uh, opposition that you've played against? Uh, Akeem Ayers. Uh, he probably was the biggest shit talker. Khalil Mack was uh-huh. talking. Khalil Mack for sure. Uh, let me think who else. Oh, Vince Williams, linebacker from the Pittsburgh Steelers. He from the from the onset. That's his attitude. I respect him, but I don't, but I don't really like him. I don't really like him. But he talks a lot of shit. He does. Yeah, he's probably number one. He's probably number one. And, and what about like the DBs and the safeties? Because they seem like they have like Napoleon complexes. The, the DBs and the safeties, they just say like funny. Dominique Rogers Camardi is pretty. He's a shit talker, but it's like funny. Okay. Like you don't take him serious. He's just saying just you know weird weird stuff to you just to get you thinking about anything else than making plays. And you said you talk shit. Are you a, like what will get you going? It, what 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 gets me going is obviously I'm a running back, so I'm at the bottom of the pile a lot. It's when I'm trying to get up and someone tries to like use your body to to push themselves up. That's like my biggest pet peeve on the field. Like when you when you're getting up and you feel someone like pushing you. Back down, right? So they can get themselves up. All oh, that shit pisses me off, and that'll get me going out. That's when I get fired up. When you're at the bottom of a pile, w- w- what is the nastiest thing that's happened? Like, is it spitting? Like, if there's a fumble, and like, is it like what? what what's going on? Like, that's like to me like a scary environment. Like, if it, forget just like a like a tackle. Like a, when, when there's a fumble and everybody's diving and grabbing yeah. and pulling. What what is happening underneath there? The nastiest there? thing that's happened to me was my rookie year when Calais Campbell was still with Arizona. He was on top of me and like his belly was out, and his stomach was on my visor and he was sweating so much that it literally dripped into my eyeball. No, it was the nastiest thing ever, man. That is funny. Man, that's disgusting, man. I was I was pissed. I was like, damn, I had to come out and wipe off my whole. Yo, visor. that is foul, man, bro. That's a big man. That's a big man. He's like 6'9". That's a big dude. And he's sweating <coughs> on you. On me. Just, just laying on And you, you just, like, you, you're at his mer- You can't, you I'm can't. I'm just laying there. You know what I'm saying? I'm 200 pounds. He 
three something. Like do we, I can't do when it. there's a fumble and everybody's diving after it. That's the scariest thing ever. What what is that? <laughs> what is that? It's that split moment you got to make the decision. Like, am I about this life? Because dudes are coming in. I remember when Cam Newton fumbled in the Super Bowl that one time. He made that split decision. He like, wasn't you know, about that life. He wasn't about that life because you dive in there and you're trying to reach your arm out. Someone hits your arm. You tear a labrum. It's it's dangerous, man. Because picking up the, that ball is that's hundreds of thousands of dollars. Anytime a defender recovers a fumble, that goes on his stats, and that's something he can go to the negotiation table and he's like, "Hey, I recovered this many fumbles." You know what I'm saying? So those defenders are flying in there, man. Like that's one of the most dangerous, most underrated, dangerous parts of football is a fumble recovery. That and the field goal. Why field goal? Just because you if you look at the lineman blocking on field goal. These guys' legs are straddled open, and they can't really move because they don't want to make any separation in between so a defender can't get in and block mm. it. And they're just exposing themselves to guys just torpedo missling through their legs, sternums, rib cages to block that ball. It's, that's a dangerous-ass play. What's the, like, uh, the hardest hit that you remember where you were like, oh. It was actually Eric Reed. It was actually Eric Reed. I was I was uh, tiptoeing. I had broke like a 20-yard run. I'm trying to dance out of bounds a little bit because I felt good about myself. And right before I stepped out of bounds, he lifted me, lifted me, and I went flying. And I remember I, like, landed by our own, like, de- defensive bench. And they looked at me, and they're just laughing. I'm like, damn, we were winning. But I was like, that's going to be on somebody's highlight because he I, – I flew like eight yards, man. It was a hard hit. Do you – are the hits like that? Uh, cause you, you know, if your guys are laughing, it, it's not one of these scary hits. Yeah. Are the hits like that? Like, what are the ones that hurt the most? Is it like the more subtle things? Is it the, the way you fall? It could just be like hit somebody hitting your hip. A lot of times it's, it's the way you fall, you know, because like if, if you're wrapped up by one guy and then another guy comes and hits you at the other direction, you got to make sure your body falls in a certain way that won't twist up your bones and your ligaments and stuff. Those are the hits that I kind of like, you know, I'm cognitive of. I've been fortunate that I've never been diagnosed with a, you know, with a concussion. So I've never took like direct shots to the head. But the ones that I get a lot is when I'm in the pile, I'm trying to drive my legs. And then like another guy comes and dives at my legs this way. Then the guy dives on my upper body Shit. the other way. And that's kind of like, you know, one way, you know, high load a little bit, and that's when it gets kind of scary. Are you conscious of like three things going on? H- hang on to the hang ball, on the ball, you know, and you, drive like, your legs, and but but also protect yourself at all yeah. times. So w- which first? Hang on to the ball. Yeah, that's definitely number one. Hang on to the ball, then the second one is protect yourself, especially like you, you got to live to play another down. So is the off season now? There's been two big scrutinies. What the hell's a catch? Would I would like you as a football player to explain to me what the hell is a catch? Because last year was like I don't know what the hell a catch is, and then they've they've changed again. Like you know, this is like real football shit. The hits with basically none of the helmet. Yeah. So what are the so what is a catch now? Do you know what a catch is? I think I do. Okay. I think I do. A catch is you have to secure the football and make a football move. What is that? I think they they're Saying if you drop your shoulders and you square yourself up to your own opposition's end zone, that's a football move. So if you catch it and you have the ability to square yourself up 
and position your vision to see your other, you know, other team's end zone, that's a football move. If you're catching it and you're not, you know, not square yet and you're running, then you get hit and you fall, then the ball comes out, that's not a catch. But if you can catch the ball, square it up, take a step, and then get tackled, then the ball comes out, it's probably a fumble or just a catch. I, I got to be honest, Amir. I'm not sure you know what a catch is. Is that? I, is that I, I mean, it's that sounded good, but I, <laughs> I mean, because like, I think I mean I don't know. We'll they're see. still going to be like figuring yeah, it out sure. on the fly for sure. Because I mean, you watched that Pittsburgh game. That was a catch. That was a catch. That was a catch. Pittsburgh should have been advancing for sure. Um, and then the helmet to helmet, no helmet to yeah, helmet. That's. I mean, obviously, everybody wants everybody to be safe. Mm-hmm. You know, I have compassion sometimes. Listen, dirty plays are dirty plays, but. I told you from the beginning, I'm slow as shit. But when you guys are going full speed and, you know, Amir Abdullah catches, you know, a seven-yard route, you might slip. You, you know, you might be catching the ball, like seeing a defender go under. And then the defender, he doesn't know what the hell Amir Abdullah is going to do. If you guys incidentally, coincidentally, and it's not on purpose, bang heads, the defender gets the penalty. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, we don't want to see anybody hurt, but, like, where is this going? I, I and think, it is football. Like, yeah. sometimes head-to-head contact it's happens. It's going to happen. That's why and, we wear helmets. And when you see it yeah. happen and you know it's not on purpose, it's like, yo, if you're flying that head and the, the, the receiver, he might have caught it and slipped and the other guy's going low and we, we catch heads – the defender gets the penalty, yeah. even if it's not on purpose, clearly. For one, it's going to slow the game down a lot because I think it, the new, with the new ruling, I think they're like reviewing like discrepancy if it was malicious or not, which, I mean, even then it's going to be a lot of gray area. So it's definitely going to slow the game down a lot because you know how long those reviews take yeah. for one. And then secondly, it's just going to change how defenders play. Right. You know, because now – I think sometimes it's worse to tell them to go lower because a lot of times if those guys are coming in for your legs, once you're getting it, that's how you get a lot of, like, broken legs. Right. Dislocated knees. I remember it happened to Gronk one time because, I mean, he's a big guy, and a lot of times people hit him low anyways because it's easier. And some of the hits I see him take down low, I'm just like, dude, hit me up top. Like, right. Like, seriously. Like, so, I mean, I, I think it's definitely going to change how some, some – DBs play, but when it when it comes to those bang bang plays, it's nothing you can do. Like you said, like if a receiver catches it and makes a quick move, the projector of which you, which you dove to tackle him is going to be different than when you initially did it. Right. You know, so it may hit him in a helmet or it may hit him in the neck area. So I just feel like that that ruling is going to be tough to it's going to be tough to judge. What players in the NFL you're not playing a game? Let's say you you have your weekend off. Who are your favorite players to watch on oh, opposing man. teams? For one, Antonio Brown. That dude is stupid. Antonio How Brown. How good is he? He's the best. Why? He can do anything. That's the thing. Like he he can play outside, inside. He can run all day. He's gonna do some something freaky at some point that's just gonna make you say, wow. Uh, I love watching Odell. I think Odell's in that same boat. The dude's just un- unreal. Um, defensive players that I really like to watch because I feel like they're just r- the best at their positions is probably Patrick Peterson. Patrick Peterson is the best pure corner I've seen in a long time. Uh. So patient at the line of scrimmage with his jam. You can make all these moves. He's he's sitting there just chilling, uh. waiting for you to actually make a move up the field. And, like, you see a lot of DBs now, 
a lot of guys who, I mean, I, I love Josh Norman. You know, I love a lot of these you know, Richard Sherman guys like that. But when I watch Patrick Peterson, I see a pure corner. So, like, I like to watch him a lot. Um, Cam Newton, I like watching Cam just because Cam gave me some of the best. When I was visiting Auburn coming out of high school, he gave me some of the best encouragement you know, I could get. You know, I was a guy, I came in, and I wasn't on an official visit. You know, I wasn't, like, the high-recruited guy. And he saw me over there kind of, you know, down because a lot of guys were getting all the love. He was like, man, don't even worry about it, man. Just keep striving in life. You're going to be exactly where you want to be. Cam That's told me that when I was, like, 18. So I like to watch Cam a lot. What, what, do you think, like, he, I love Cam. Yeah. And I love him as, I don't know him. I mean, I met him one time. I couldn't believe how damn big he was. Huge. Yo. Yeah, he's a freak. Is he the biggest quarterback in the NFL? Oh, uh, I know Joe Flacco's pretty big. He's big too? He's just real tall. He's just real but tall. But Cam is like, yo, yeah. Cam is bigger than a in lot of- In terms of like physical, like freak big, yeah, Cam is definitely- he's Cam definitely, is 6'5", five, six, easy. 6'5", five, 250, easy. Homeboy, yeah. like, yo, he's like- And buff. And yeah, buff, he's goon yeah. status. Yeah. Like he's like bodyguard. Like yeah. he, like that's like a guy you want. Like that size Protecting bodyguard. Me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, who are the other like big dudes? In, like uh, like Tom Brady's big. Mm -hmm. He's like, tall, yeah. but he's not big. He's like, not physically like imposing like that. Um, Julio Jones is he? How tall is he? He's he's not. He's probably like six three and a half, maybe six four. But he's a goon. <clears throat> um, yeah, Julio is. He's made on a lab table. The way he can run. And get in and out of his breaks like he's 5'9", it's stupid. He'll be this high, and once he gets to his comeback, drops all the way down, and then comes out like a jungle cat. He's crazy. Julio is crazy, man. Um, one other question. Go back to, to what you said. Ramadan. This is – what month is this? Well, it, it moves up every year because the Islamic calendar is short. <laughs> it's, it's, it's shorter than the – you know, the, I said it's April. So <laughs> I was like, it's no. April. But uh, Ramadan, I believe, is coming up uh, mid-May. So I believe mid-May. So so Ramadan, you fast. Mm -hmm. So how do you like? How do you fast? Work out? Keep your energy? Because that's when you're getting ready. Like, does it mm -hmm. deplete you? What? Like, it does. Just from days. an athletic point so of view. So I've broken it down now, where I fast every other day. Doing doing training. So one day I'll fast. One day I'll you know I'll be you know back to eating. Then one day I'll fast. And then the days I need to make up, I'll make up after after Ramadan. I got you. Mm -hmm. Just so your body can maintain. Yeah, just so I can maintain. Yeah. All right. Listen, Amir Abdullah. Listen, this is what I want from going into this season. By the way, uh, I am a fantasy football expert. I want more carries. Okay, Matt Patricia. When you t tell him, hey, I don't know if he's going to grow that fucking stinking beard out <laughs> or not. I want more carries. I want a healthy season. Yeah. Um, and, and I want Detroit to go over the top and tell Matt Stafford, if he ever sees me, I'm ever in the same building with him, I expect like, you know, like a steak on him or like a, a soda or something like that. I'm not, I'm not whipping out the credit yeah. card. At least an appetizer. Something. Yeah. I wish you uh, uh, the best of luck this season. Healthy season. You're going into your fourth season. We got to get the mm -hmm. goddamn ball. Got to. We got to get the ball. That's, that's, I mean, that's what it's about. More, more catches too. <laughs> More catches. My final question with the, with the catches. You're a football player. I, I don't understand this. When they say running backs, he can catch the ball out of the backfield. He can't catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a, back, uh, he's a running back who can catch, who can't catch. Explain that to me like as that being a strength or not a strength. Every football I, player could catch a ball, correct? Yeah, I, I think Do you know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. I think they need to be more specific. When, when they're referring to he's a running back who can catch the ball in the backfield, what they should be saying is he's a running back who can run routes. 
you know, something that separates, I think, myself, Theo, and some other guys like you see McCaffrey, um, what's the guy, Chris Thompson guy from uh, – yep. it's, it's, it's a number of guys who are good at it. From, you know, maybe some of the, you know, guys who don't necessarily you see running option routes or different choice routes is we can create separation and catch the ball in small windows. You know, you can anyone can catch a swing pass. Anybody can catch a flat right. route. But after, you know, a guy who can be like a hybrid, who can line up in a slot and have a nickel on them and still win, that's why I feel like me and Theo bring to the game. And like I said, hopefully this year Detroit actually gives me more of an opportunity to do that because that's always been my strong suit. You know, right. that's I started off playing receiver because I wanted to be like Percy Harvin growing up. Okay. You know, so that's that's something I'm really looking forward to. All right, Amir Abdullah, thank you for rocking me on the Iron Rapport no Stereo Podcast. No Have a great offseason, and uh, you will be getting picked on the Rapport Delight, uh, the fantastic fantasy football team of mine. <laughs> Appreciate that. Thank you. All right, A.B. Diggity, Amir Abdullah, thank you for rocking with the best. Thank you for coming on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. G. Moody, last name rhymes with duty. Rest up. Get yourself in a fucking ice bath, okay? <laughs> Yo, remember, now it's on you. I will even cut the deal. Uh, clap boards. Uh, that's, that's nothing. Yeah, that's all nothing. right. I got a 38-inch a, a uh, wingspan. Hanging on a rim is nothing. Okay. That's nothing. Okay. Um, I want to thank Amir Abdullah, Moody, Yo, Miles, Jordan. Take us out of here with something funky. We're done. Be back later on in the week. It's the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast, Worldwide Phenomenon. We're done. Peace.